Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. People who long, doesn't mean they even have it, but people who long to be rich, they fall into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from true faith. That means they were in it. They wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. King James in verse 9 says, The rich fall into these temptations and seek after harmful lusts that drown men. Doesn't that sound like that scripture that deals with, remember the, the... the sower with the seed in the sowing. In fact, we see that in well, two of the scriptures that, that Jesus deals with, both in Matthew and Luke. It says that this, the word goes out as the word of God goes out as seed from the sower, but that seed falls on good soil and it takes root and produces a hundredfold. But some of the soil falls on other hard ground and when it gets crowded out and choked out by the cares of this life and the lure of riches. And this is a message for America. We are the most wealthy nation ever to live on the face of the earth. Just get a hold of that for a minute. You live in a nation that has never been with so many folks shared wealth. Now, Solomon had great wealth, probably one of the wealthiest. There, there were kings that have had, had great wealth But never has there been a nation where so many have enjoyed the wealth of riches. That's why I believe our responsibility is to fund the kingdom for those that are indigenous pastors living overseas in great harm. Of course, you all have done that. I think you'll hear about 30% of our income went into mission work locally and abroad this year. We'll share that in a couple of weeks. I want you to see that... um, because so many people get tripped up with this lure and, and being sucked into. So let's look at, first of all, I, I need to spell this right, the biblical basis of giving tithes and offering. I'd like to give all my tithes. You didn't catch it. Not tithes. We spelled it wrong right there. Okay. Um, you can give us your tithes, but we really want your tithes and offering for the kingdom. All right. I did spell it right in a couple other places, but that one there. The biblical basis of giving tithes and offerings. First of all, Jesus said you should tithe. I get this argument from people, well, that's not New Testament. Really? Red letter word. Let's take a look at Matthew 23, 23. It's also in Luke eleven forty two. but let's just, let's just go there. In Matthew 23 and 23. He's exchange, engaging right there with the religious leaders, and he says, you're going to be really sorry, <laughs> you Pharisees and religious leaders. You're hypocrites. You're careful to tithe even the tiniest amount of income that you get from your herb gardens. So they were careful to measure out everything. But I, you ignore important things like the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus then says, you should tithe. Yes, but don't neglect the more important things. I believe tithes and offerings is just kind of Christianity 101. Jesus said, you should. 
But hey, what about love and mercy? There's a level there that you need to go in that's so much more important than these principles. Love is the highest goal, right? If you love, we sang that this morning. It's really the theme. If you love, there's something that is so powerful. That's what Jesus was encouraging them to do. We won't turn there, but it's the same scripture again in uh, Luke 11.42. Tithe is 10%. Offering is what you decide to do. And so look at number two there. It says, King Solomon said, if you'll honor the Lord with your substance, your wealth, and the first fruits of your increase, Proverbs 3.9 and we're going to we're going to turn there let's let's actually go there now let's go to proverbs there's a number of proverbs that solomon laid out in verse 10 right after verse 9 so you see that in proverbs 3 9 honor the lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce now look at verse 10 then here's a condition then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overthrow, overflow with good wine. King James says, Honor the Lord with the substance and the first fruits of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty, and you shall your presses will burst out with new wine. So there's a promise. Let's take a look at this whole principle of plenty. Number three there. I listed just a couple of a few scriptures, but there is a whole lot more. Let's look at some more of the Proverbs scriptures. Just turn to the right. Look at Proverbs 11. You can probably jot some of these down. I think I actually have some of those down already. 11.25 is there. Take a look at 11.25. Actually, let's look at verse 24 first. Proverbs 11.24. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Wow. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. King James says, There is that scattereth and yet increase, and there is that with it which holds us, that it will, that more, is the more than meat, and tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. I don't know if I like that. The liberal soul will be made fat, And he that watereth shall be watered unto himself. Isn't that good? All right, let's turn a little more to the right. And uh, let's look at Proverbs 19.17. Proverbs 19.17. This scripture, when I read it years ago, just kind of floored me. Proverbs 19.17. If you help the poor... You're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. What? What? He who has pity upon the poor lendeth to the Lord, and that which he hath given, he will repay him again. Some of the translations say, if you give to the poor, you lend to God, and he'll be a debtor to no man. Now that's, God owes me? That's like, what? I don't know. I'm just reading. It's like, hell. that he's already done so much. How can he? Okay. Let's turn to the right again. Proverbs 28 and verse 27. 
Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. I looked that up. It, it's nothing. You're going to lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Remember that scripture of the rich man and Lazarus? The Lazarus, the poor man who was sick, laid at the rich man's door his whole life, and the dogs would come and lick his wounds. And the rich man would step over him every time and not take care of it, even though he had the provision to do it. At the end of this thing, Lazarus went to be with Abraham in his bosom. That was before the resurrection, before Jesus went into the earth and unlocked the prison doors. And it says, the rich man went to the place of Hades where the fire was not quenched. And he said, please, let him come over and touch my tongue with water. He said, no, there's no way to get back. There's, the gulf's too great. There's something about the giving of your heart. We're, we're on a heart message. If you're not moved by the poverty and the brokenness of other people, then there's something wrong on the inside of your heart as far as God is saying. We have to ask the Lord for that compassion. He wept, right? He wept over Jerusalem. He he wept over the child who was in the funeral box. And the mom was crying. And he went over and raised, raised the boy from the dead. Jesus had compassion. So we see in Proverbs this principle of plenty. But then let's look at several other scriptures. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, this is another scripture that I think gets misquoted. This is about offerings. This is not about tithes. People try to make an application about tithes. It's not. If you read the context of it, and it's kind of wild how Paul, <laughs> Paul was worried that they must have made a pledge. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Corinthian church had made a pledge that they were going to take an up an offering, and sometime later, remember they, they don't have a lot of travel, easy, easy travel, they were going to take up offering and bring it to the churches in Macedonia. So they took up, a, they must have had a pledge, and they hadn't fulfilled their pledge. So what does Paul do? Look at verse 1, 2 Corinthians 9, 1. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. But he is writing. <laughs> For I know how eager you are to help, and have been, I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you're really ready, as I've been telling them that, that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If the Macedonian believers came with me and we found that you weren't ready, after all, I told them. So I thought I would send these brothers ahead to make sure your gift that you promised is ready. But I want you to be, to be a willing gift and not one given grudgingly. Then he does a principal teaching. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your own heart how much to give. You don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all that you need. 
then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. There we go again. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Forever. For God is the one who produces, who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched and in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God. So two good things happen. One, the ministry of giving and the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. They will joyfully express thanks be to God. As a result, your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. It's a proof. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of your overflowing grace that God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. So Paul's like, you haven't given, so I'm going to send some advance guard to make sure you get the money together. But this is about offering. This was going to church. They probably will never see these people travel too far, but there was a blessing, and they, had a, they were moved by compassion at some point, but they were not fulfilling what they said. So Paul says, come on, guys. Let me give you some teaching and principles on this. All right, let me turn to a familiar scripture. Let's turn to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. It's awful quiet in here. You guys okay? I know this is like, sure, I hope you finish this soon. <laughs> Usually the guys who give tithes and offering, this is like, yeah! And the ones that haven't, I remember sitting 30-something years ago there, and I'm like, oh. But I changed my behavior. First I went, I went after the net. And then I said, my wife and I, he can't possibly mean the gross, 10% of the gross can't possibly mean that. Now it's been over 30 years, and I've lacked for nothing. And I can tell you honestly, over and over and over again, how God has protected when things should have gone, children should have died, circumstances should have happened. He rebuked the devourer. I'm convinced of that. I've been in nations where warlocks had, were in a blood sacrifice to kill me. That's why I tell you, you can't go on a mission trip with us, and you really can't be in leadership unless you're following the principles of tithes and offerings. We have dismissed people from their leadership position because it's not that I want your money. It's not about me. It's for your covering and protection. So let's read this. This, again, this scripture, oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, really? I just read you enough on both sides, but let's look at Malachi 3. First of all, I'm not going to dive into the chapter under tithing part. I want to dive into the beginning because you've got to look at this whole thing in context. This is listed in Malachi chapter 3 as the coming day of judgment. Verse 1, there is a coming one day of judgment. Look, I'm sending a messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for is eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? It's an interesting question. Who will be able to stand 
and face him when he appears. He will be like a blazing fire that refines metal. Sounds like Revelation. Or like a strong soap that bleaches the clothing. He will sit like a refiner, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites. He's going to purify the, the religious leaders, the priesthood. Make them like gold and silver so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Then once more, the Lord will accept the offerings that you brought him to the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did in the past. At the time, I will put you on trial. I'm eager to witness against all sorcerers, adulterers, liars, and those who cheat their employees with their wages and oppress the widows and the orphans and deprive, this is an interesting statement where we are right now with the government shutdown, and deprive foreigners living among you of justice for those people do not fear me, says the Lord of heaven's army. Don't read anything more, and I'm, I'm, for, I'm for legal immigration, but there's something here about taking care of those, and the poor, the ones who cheat their employees and don't pay, or pay under the table to avoid taxes. That's wrong. Romans 13 says, pay your taxes. Pay those things that you owe. That's a rabbit trail. But I'm just, if we're going to be honest, let's be honest with the word says. Then he goes on in verse 6. So this first part is, are you ready to meet the Lord? These are the things he's going to come. He's going to restore. He's going to purify the Levite, the priesthood, the church. Then he goes, I'm the Lord and I don't change. This is why your descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees, you failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we never went away? See, they're sitting in the same church in Jerusalem and Judah, doing the same things they've done, doing their, their offerings. He says, no. It's been defiled. But you ask, how can we return? Should people cheat God? But you have cheated me. You ask, well, what do you mean? How did we ever cheat you? You cheated me by tithes and offerings that are due to me. You might want to underline due to me. That's not ours. You touch his tithe, that's his 10%. John, uh, Bill Johnson says it this way. You're breathing God's air, drinking his water, and eating his food, and that's your rent payment. Interesting analogy. We have no problem paying rent and mortgages to the system, but for some reason we like to gloss over that part of it here. You cheated me with tithes and offerings that are due me, and you are under a curse for the whole nation. I wonder why our nation is now indebted to almost $20 trillion? Honey. When you look at the trend of our nation over the last 40 years, of the church giving tithes and offerings, it's now down to 3%. And only about 25% of the church in general, according to Barna, tithes. And it's getting worse every year. And you wonder why God says the whole nation has robbed me. You've cheated me with tithes and offerings. You're under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there's enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I'll open the windows. Now here's the promise. If you'll do, he just got done taking them down into the woodshed, right? You did this, you did this, you did this. He answers, the, and then he says, now, if you will do this, 
says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I'll guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall before the vine and before they ripen, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You wonder why people try to get in this nation and why we're so blessed. What is our heritage? We are a Christian nation who in history has followed the principles of Christ. It's no wonder we've been blessed. And he's a God of long suffering and I pray we get back on track. Then all the nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord. Verse 13, you have said terrible, now he goes on and picks up again. You've said terrible things about the Lord. What do you mean? What did we say against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? Have we gained, what have we gained by obeying the commands and trying to show the lords of heaven's army that we're sorry for our sins? What's, what's the, why should we do that? For now we call that arrogant. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. So they were complaining about God. What's the sense? You seem to bless all the others. And then he goes on, verse 16. Those who feared the Lord spoke with each other. And the Lord listened to what they said in the presence of a scroll scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And on the day when I act in judgment, we started out with judgment. When I act on that day in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them like a father spares an obedient child. Then you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Pretty straightforward, you know, doesn't mix a whole lot of... You know, it's not, not real gray, right? And so I wanted to read the whole context of that because people say, oh, let's. No, he's talking about a relationship with God in the purpose of the walk with God. And tithes and offerings, just one of those things. Let's pick up and. I'll have to land this, but let me, let me just ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 7. I don't have a lot of time to unpack this one, but I, I do want to call your attention to it. It's a very mysterious scripture, and there's not a whole lot, even in the commentaries, there's a lot of supposition about it, but in Hebrews chapter 7, the writer of Hebrews speaks of this, both a priest and a king, who was Melchizedek. He was listed there as the king of peace and the king of justice. And you you know, if you go back into Genesis, it speaks of Abraham came back from a battle, had rescued Lot, and he gives 10%. Now, this is 400 years before Moses was given the law. So when those say, well, that's part of the law. Oh, really? Tithing was done way 400 years before the law. And so what happens here is um, this Melchizedek, who apparently was an actual king, but there's no, they can't find his lineage. And in here in Hebrews 7, it speaks of him 
as one who resembles the Son of God. It's in verse 3. Well, let me just read a couple of verses here. Verse, I'll start in verse 1. Hebrews 7, 1. This Melchizedek was a king in the city of Salem and also a priest of, the, of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. Does that sound like the son of God? He's the king of justice and the prince of peace, king of peace, right? And he's both a king and a priest. So that's why they make the correlation. There is no record of his father or mother or any other ancestry, no beginning or end of his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. The King James says it, he's made like unto the son of God and abides as a priest continually. Then it goes on and it talks about the collecting of the tithes and the priesthood and the Levites. And there's this whole discussion that, that speaks of Jesus likened unto the Son of God who received from Father Abraham. And you are the descendants of Father Abraham, Galatians chapter 3. You, are in, you receive the same inheritance as the promise of Father Abraham. That's why you're so wealthy. Right? You have the the cattle on a thousand, your daddy's really rich, right? He may still have it in his checkbook, hasn't turned it over to some of yet, because maybe we can't be trusted with some of it yet, I'm just saying. And so this promise of our father Abraham, our great, 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 great grandfather Abraham gave a tenth of the one unto the son of God when he came back from the battle. And received the blessing of, of King Melchizedek. You see the corollary. You can read the rest of that chapter because I, I don't have the time to unpack all that. But I want you to see, as you look at the history of the tithes and offerings, let's look at 6a through j there. And I've, I've summarized these, but Abraham, he gave before there was law. 6a, that's in Genesis 14. Jacob gave before there was law. If you remember, I, a couple weeks ago, I preached on out of, out of Genesis and Jacob and that whole connection with Laban and his, and his wives and, uh, and Laban and, and uh, the, his father-in-law and his daughters and Jacob's wives. And when he got to that place in Bethel where he says, you have blessed me. I see now that you have blessed me. From now on, I'm going to build an altar to you and I'm going to tie the tenth of everything I get. That was 400 years before the law. Then the law came, and see, it required it. Leviticus, Moses laid it out. Leviticus lays it out. The Levites collected it, and then there were special offerings. There's a little bit of debate here. Um, if you add up all the first fruit offerings, the guilt offerings, the sin offerings, it's, some think it's about 30% of the goods and services and monies that the Israelites had. Wow. That's like, now, he did make allowances, right? Uh, we read this during the Christmas story. When Jesus was being dedicated at the temple, there was a dedication offering. And it says you should have a lamb dedicated on the eighth day when you present your oldest son to the Lord. But if you don't have enough, Leviticus says you can bring two turtle doves. It's according to the wealth that you have. It's not according 
right? And Jesus, remember the, the situation in the temple? He had his disciples, they're sitting to one side, and he says, watch this. Jesus is watching the offering, right? And the wealthy came in and they put their offerings in the, in the box, and the widow came out and dropped two pennies. He says, who do you think gave more? So the principle that it, we're not to give to cause ourselves to go into poverty. I don't believe that's right. We're not to give unto pressured unctions. I, I, I really, I, I don't like when I'm pressured. I've been in many a conference and there's some of these crazy things that go, you know, if, if you'll send this offering, we'll send you this cloth and, you know, unless the Holy Spirit's leading you to that, I'm, I'm just opposed to that, but but I am not opposed to reading the word because then I get it off me and it's on y'all. You've heard it and you decide what you do with it. I'm done. And so special offerings. Then he said, bring your tithe. In Second Chronicles, you're to bring it. Um, I just think there's something about, I'm, call me old fashioned. My wife and I this morning, I show, I just, I just like these. One of the reasons I like these or cash and I like you to keep a record of it is because if you keep a record of it, let's just say that someone gave 14% of their income this year. There's a record of that that goes in. It's a, it's a legal deduction. You will get quite a bit, depending on your income, you will get a large check back from the government, which then says, wow, I can go bless the kingdom of God, and I can take that offering. And what, how much does one soul in Nepal cost? Now, I will tell you this. Some people like to give online. We even just advertise it online. But the system gets 3%. So if you give 10%, the house, the Lord, only gets 7% because 3% of your 10% is, is a bank fee. So we have to pay that. We, we, they, just, they just deduct that fee. So only about less than 10% of you give online. And... Hey, someone once told me halitosis is better than no breath at all. That's bad? I'm sorry. Okay. All right. I thought I'd work a joke in here, but I, you don't like that. All right. I'm glad my wife is doing children's ministry. She'd be like. Okay. Let me come back. Let me pull back in here. All right. Bring your tie. That's why there's something about I like to bring it and. In fact, I've I'm, I'm been praying about it, that maybe we ought to do like many of the churches do and have a song and a, and a time of reflection and bring our offerings and tithes to the Lord from now on. Yep. And uh, Pastor Willie and I were sharing that about this this week, so I'm probably going to do this a little differently. We often pray. I've, I've often been twisted and you know, one way or the other, said, if the mature believers are here, then they will write their check and they'll put it in. They don't have to be browbeaten and all that. Or, But there's also something about, when I read this, I got convicted. It says, no, there's something about historically, biblically bringing the tithes and offerings and saying, here, thank you. Thank you, Lord. As opposed to sitting home and tithing. Hey, I'm going to let you, but from now on, we're going to have a short time of offerings to the Lord and making that a place where, Lord, here's my heart. We worship you, but here's part of my substance. And if you have nothing to give, some of the churches come up and they have nothing. When I've been in Africa, 
They might bring fruit. They might bring a chicken. In fact, we got wild stories of at the end of the service, right? Remember in Tanzania, right? Outside the church, they, they, they do a, uh, an auction. They, they come in, the, the pastor will stand on the church steps and all the people there, it's a very agrarian culture, and they'll say, okay, so who would like these bananas? And we start bidding. Oh, I'll, I'll get, you know, X number of dollars for that. And, uh, or chicken. And then that goes into the church as an offering. We're not going to do that, so don't bring your livestock, okay? We're not going to bless our animals here and all that, no. But we are going to bring our tithes and offerings. Number uh, 6F, uh, 6G says, Nehemiah and Amos, you can read those scriptures, they required it. When they came back into the land, the prophet, prophet Malachi, I just read that whole thing to you, he exposed the robbery. The tithes that were given unto the, like unto the Son of God in Hebrews. Jesus said, bring it. You should tithe. So here's the challenge. I want to land this thing. If you are not giving 10% of your gross income, I would like you to start in 2018. But that's between you and the Lord. You say, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I live paycheck to paycheck. The Lord said, try me and test me in this. I don't know. You're right. I don't know of any other scripture that he said that. So, and then the offerings, that's something you decide. 10% of the gross, that I believe is the Lord's. The offering is between you and God. And you'll be moved. You'll get, my mom gets a stack of mail from all over the place. Because she's like me. If you respond to um, Friends of Jerusalem or uh, James Robinson's ministry on water wells, right? Pretty soon you're on this mailing list and like, good night in the morning. They're killing trees by saying, and, but you got to, but there are times I'll open that up recently. I just finished um, all my charitable giving for last year. I put it together for, to bring to the, for my tax preparation. And I looked at it. I, I remember there were times I opened it. And the one in particular was uh, overseas with Nepal and Pastor Moses, we walked into, some of you remember, who were with us on that trip. There were 10 of us on that trip. We walked into his church that had been six years under construction, not finished. We showed it here when we did our return trip. We showed the video of that. It's now finished. Then we walked over to his house that was made out of feed bags where the snakes during the rainy season come into his house. And his wife and his children, his wife, they broke in and attempted to rape her. And when we saw that, we, we were all broken. We said, this can't be. So people unloaded their pockets and said, here. Then we went back, and we were able to collect. The church is now finished. It's got bars on the window. It stands across the street from one of these ornate Hindu temples. And the Holy Spirit showed up when we came there. I have pictures of the wind blowing in at 90 degrees when we invited in the Holy Spirit. There was a risk. They told us if you go there and are caught praying, you'll go to jail for two years. But our leader said, this, you got to go. I got to show you this place. We'll, we'll drive in, jump off the bus, get in there, be quiet. Don't make a whole lot of noise. Pray. Don't pray loud. Cut the ribbon. Let's get out. Well, we're here. But the point is, we were all moved. And now I have the, on my phone, I still have it from that trip in March of his wife crying. He says, that's that Jerusalem promise that is read out of 2 Corinthians. And they stayed there after we left. 
They walked for hours because some of them couldn't. We had, when we got there, they didn't want us to hang around. So we got there. For many of them, had walked six miles to get there in the heat. And then the Holy Spirit fell, and they were there until late at night, baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's the point? There's something about what Paul was saying is when you give, they can't believe. They, they, they can't rub two nickels together. But the family of God in America saw to it that we have what we need. And now they praise God. And guess what? When I call them and say, we have this issue, we have, this, we have somebody struggling in this area, we need prayer, they go on days of fasting and prayer for the Global River Church. We have difficulty getting people to come on a prayer night. And so I'm just telling you, there's something about the, the tithes and offerings that go, and they recognize and they hold us up on some pedestal, and we realize we've generally given out of our excess to meet their absolute need. So look, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody here, but I really want you to ask the Lord, what is it in 2018 that's going to be different? If you're not a tither, I want to ask you, and there are some in here, you have trained your children well. I get one dollar's uh, Nilsa gets $1 offerings from some of our children that are seven, eight, and nine years old because when they get an increase from, from their money, birthday money or whatever, they're, they're trained to write a tithe check or to put a dollar in. Let me land this thing. If you're not giving offerings, you need to ask the Lord what it is that you would do because at some point, we stand before him We've already got a treasure. I started in Matthew 6. There's treasure in heaven that's going into a box up there or a record keeping. I don't know what happens when you rob God. <laughs> First of all, I, didn't even, I don't know how you could rob him. But there's something about co-laboring with God, like feeding the birds in the morning, that when we co-labor with God, we get blessed. He advances the kingdom. But if you withhold... What are you really withholding from? Is it for your own family, for your own self, for the advancement of the kingdom? So I'm going to ask if the ministry, the worship team will come back up. What I'd like to do this morning as we worship here for a few minutes, we'll worship our way out. If you need an envelope, now, some of you may not come prepared. That's okay. With checkbooks and all, I realize that some don't even carry cash anymore. But I just want to ask you to ask the Lord, what do I do with what I just heard? What is it that you would have me to do? And you go meditate on these scriptures, and you ask the Holy Spirit, what am I to do? Lord, I, it may require some adjustment. In lifestyle, it, it may. Some people came to me and, well, Pastor, what do I do if I have a spouse who doesn't go to church and doesn't believe in tithing? Well, I believe you should honor your spouse. But if you get income, I remember, I know, I don't want to uncover there, but I know someone recently who told me that went to her spouse and said, uh, I'm tithing on my income. That's the way it is. And he finally caved in on it and tithed on the income. If you don't know how to do it, 
you ask the Lord how to do it. Make some adjustments on what needs to be done. I believe the Lord will bless you. I really do. So what I'd like to do this morning is as we come and ask that you would, first I want to thank the Lord for all that has been given. We have been given so much of life and health and strength, all the blessings of God. God, I pray now that there would be no condemnation here, that only that which is from you would land. Anything that was not of you, Lord, just let it be jettisoned aside. But I pray your blessing on your people, Lord, that there would be an increase. You said you, you're not a liar. You're not a man that you should lie. And he says you look out for your word. Why would you put it in the word and then not fulfill it? I, I just know that's not true. So, Lord, one trial would be take three months and try the Lord on it. I remember Pastor Terry, if I could brag on him a minute, was in, was in college, right, Terry? There was a time that you ran out of food. You went three days. There was one can of beets or beans, something he hated. Beets. And he said, I can't, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to tithe. So he tithed. He lived on, he says, Lord, all I got left is a can of beets. And that day, people showed up with groceries. Bags and bags of groceries. So that seems to be a test. <laughs> He still was hungry for a few days, but the Lord showed up, and Terry's been blessing him ever since. So let's stand to our feet. You be dismissed, and come and bring your tithes. Lord, we just ask your blessing upon the tithes and offerings, that you would translate dollars into the souls of men, into the blessings of your people, for healings and for deliverance, that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake, O oh God that every place that the enemy, we don't want to be under any curses from the, from the darkness. We don't want to cheat you in any way, God. So I thank you now, Father. I thank you for the provision and the blessing. I ask you to release it over your people now. I want to ask you to bring increases, God. I'd like you to wow them. People that decide, I'm going to start doing this, there'll be job promotions. There'll be inheritances that will come in. There'll be these uh, wild checks like I think it was Lisa a few weeks ago said, we had this thing break and that thing break and then all of a sudden we got this mortgage refund payment and that, God, I ask you to just wow your people that they come and they realize, wow, God, you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we'd ever ask or even think, God, according to the work of Christ that's in us. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Don't forget Wednesday night if you can help out with Encounter handing out some postcard that'd be great and then pick up your pick up all of your envelopes on the way out to the foyer please thank you